Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. We're in Matthew chapter 24, beginning in verse 32 now. Learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its branch becomes tender and sprouts leaves, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see all these things, recognize that he is near at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So if all you heard was yesterday's devotion, you might be on the verge of becoming a post-tribulationist. And then if you coincide it with these verses, you're like, wait, hang on a second, back up. He just said that not one generation would pass away before these things take place. Here's where Jesus begins to teach about the sacking of Jerusalem in AD 70. He's, he's talking about the circumstances before the return of Christ and not necessarily the return of Christ in itself. You can look at a fig tree and you can tell when it's about to be summertime. It's branch becomes tender, it sprouts leaves, summer is near. So you're looking at the signs, you observe them, and from those signs you can surmise that the second coming of Christ is approaching. So he's not going to give an exact timeline. In fact, tomorrow's devotion is going to be on this text where he explicitly states that no one knows the time or the hour. But we have these indicators that something's coming, right? So uh, Every time a, a Christian comes out and tries to predict the second coming of Christ, I call them, you know, wackadoos, all right? But in some way, in some way, there may be a noble motivation to this because they look at the fig tree, they look for those signs of, of uh, they look for the signs of a, of a branch becoming tender, it's sprouting leaves, you know that summer's near. In the same way, you see all these things, recognize that he is near at the door. Remarkable. This, this bears a, a resemblance to the text of Revelation chapter 3. It opens up with a series of letters to churches. And in the letter to the church at Ephesus, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. So it's remarkably, remarkably parallel structure. And it should instill in our hearts a sense of urgency as to the imminence of Christ and his return, that he's right there at the door. Do you remember when you, like my kids last night, like, like Asa and Asher, whom I heard playing in their room after bedtime, right? And then I, as I got to the door, they were like, oh, shh, dad's here. <laughs> oh man, dad's at the door. It's time to start doing what we're supposed to do. It evokes the same response in my heart to read this text. Oh, wow, God is at the door, right? It's, it, this text is perfect. It's brilliant because it evokes a sense of urgency in our hearts. He's at the door. He is imminent. We can say that with perfect aptitude with like with with perfect clarity and absolute conviction just like previous generations could as well in fact it becomes truer the longer we go <laughs> it's something that's always always possible to say like his coming is closer now all right and i'll say it again his coming is closer now it's actually more accurate the second time i say it than it was the first you ready for a third it's closer now <laughs> So you can leave in the comments, it's closer now. And then whoever leaves the last comment is the most correct. This will go on indefinitely. So I don't want you to spend too much time <laughs> writing the comment, it's closer now, because that would also miss the point of the text. Rather, repent from sin, get right with God, do the will of the Lord, fulfill your ministry, share the gospel with your coworkers, bring up Jesus with your family members, have that talk with your neighbors, Go there because you don't know how much time you have. You don't know how much time you have. 
Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things take place. So, in this regard, we know that uh, he's referring to the sacking of Jerusalem in AD 70, and it was not one generation that passed away before these things took place. And in some interpretations, one generation constitutes 70 years. This was spoken probably in the year AD 33, and in the year 70, it all takes place. So it's remarkable. Uh, Post-millennialists and some amillennialists would use the word all and say, say all these things take place, referring to all of apocalyptic prophecy, uh, meaning like all of the, the tribulation, all of that stuff. It really was about the sacking of Jerusalem in AD 70. It's not talking about what is colloquially known as the rapture. Verse 35 is, is pivotal. Heaven and earth pass away, but my words will never pass away. This is a claim that Jesus made about his own teaching. And so it brings us again to that critical juncture. What are you going to do with these words of Jesus's? Are you going to adhere to them? Are you going to repent from sin, do his will and make disciples as many as you can before you die? Or are you going to disregard Jesus altogether? Because there's no middle ground here. He is the one who has said that even though, the, even though heaven and earth will pass away, see Revelation 19, 20 and 21 and 22, wherein he makes everything new, he has made this claim. He has stated that his words will never pass away. And so you must either believe in him fully or disregard him entirely. And to not choose to surrender to his lordship is by default to say that he's lying when he says these words. Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. He is claiming to be God. He, is, he has listed his own words as tantamount to the law of the Old Testament, the creation account. This is Jesus according to Jesus. When he refers, when he says he is, at, he is near at the door, he's referring to himself. So what are we to do with this? It's the Lordship of Jesus. It's surrender. It's doing His will. Do it today. Surrender today. Evangelize today with a beautiful sense of literally God-given urgency.